As we begin the Sunday after Resurrection Sunday after Easter, and we look forward to the remainder of the year and what is coming, you know, oftentimes as you search and you seek, what God would have you to do as far as messages and series, and you begin to seek the direction of the Holy Spirit, sometimes it's not an easy task. And sometimes it can be difficult to discern exactly which direction God wants you to go. And I think in light of where we are, and uh, I was in an event last night, and it was, it was pretty interesting uh, because we walked in and we had been talking and kind of fellowshipping together. And I went over to sit down at, at, at a place at a table, and when I went to sit down at the table, I noticed every place that there was a seat for someone to sit at, there were these little cards that were there. And so I took one last night, and so I have it up here if anybody is missing it. And, uh, but I, I thought it was interesting because in preparation all of last week and everything that I'd been reading and studying and just seeking the direction of the Holy Spirit, in which direction we should start this Sunday morning after Easter, I looked and it said, wait for the Lord, be strong. And I thought, hmm. Take heart and wait for the Lord. Of course, that's out of Psalm 27 and verse 14. And I thought, well, I said, okay, now hold on just a minute before y'all wonder. Okay, so Brother Robert, do you walk around looking for signs to confirm or affirm what it is? No, I follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. But I will say this, when I saw that, I thought, hmm, I said, maybe... This is just what God has in store. Take your Bibles and turn with me to Joshua chapter number 1. Joshua chapter number 1. And there is an interesting phrase that we're going to look at this morning that is used over and over and over and over and over again. And let me share something with you. The red on this card speaks to that phrase, all right? And I thought, how very appropriate. There was an individual by the name of Blaise Pascal. He was a French mathematician. He was a physicist. He was also a philosopher. Uh, and at one time even kind of tried his hand at theology. And uh, in some of his writings, it came across this. And here's something that he wrote that I thought was probably very appropriate for where we find ourselves today. And here's what he wrote. He said, people almost invariably arrive at their beliefs not on the basis of proof, but on the basis of what they find attractive. And I thought, how fitting where we find ourselves today that they base their beliefs on what they find to be attractive. Joshua, as we come to Joshua chapter number one, stands face to face probably with one of the greatest challenges in his entire life. Now, yeah, this is the same Joshua who took the 12 spies and went into the land of Canaan. And when they came back out of the land of Canaan, he was in the minority with him and Caleb. Also, let me paint another picture for you here, for you here as we move into Joshua chapter number 1. I want you to understand this. Joshua is not a young man here. Uh, Joshua has increased in years as he begins this task that God has called him to do. And I will say this to you, it's a, it's a substantial task. 
You would think that taking 12 spies into the land of Canaan and to spy out the promised land and to come back and out of the 12 that went in, only two were able to see what God had promised them and what God was going to do for them. The majority of all the rest of them missed it. Keep in mind, they're all looking, they were all looking at the same things. They were all looking at the same, they were looking at the same evidence. They were all looking at it, but they came away from that evidence with two different thoughts. And I think sometimes as we look at where we are today, and I understand culture just seems to be spinning out of control, everything else that's taking place, and I'm beginning to wonder if today those who hold to the truth and we still see God through all of this are becoming the minority instead of the majority. One of the last statistics that was just released, and I don't base everything on statistics, but they do indicate where we're moving and where we're headed today. This was just released. Uh, It's a combination of several research efforts that were done that for the first time in the history of the United States, the number of American Christian members of churches has dropped below 50%. Matter of fact, it's down to 47%. In 1999, it was at 72%. So that kind of gives you some idea of where we have come to. But let me ask you a question. Has God changed? No, he has not. Is God still the same God that we have served all along? He still is. And my dear friend, let me share this with you today. He's still in control. Nothing has changed. The kingdom is still going forward. The church is still alive regardless of what culture may want to do in an attempt to cancel it. Not going to because God's still in control of it. And oh, here's something else that's interesting about this. Joshua knew the history. Joshua knew the history of Israel. Matter of fact, Joshua had been with Moses. He saw all of those things that transpired. He saw all of those things that occurred. He saw all of the history of the children of Israel. And now he finds himself at the edge of the Jordan River, getting ready to go into the land of Canaan with a new generation. And what's he going to do with this new generation? What's he going to do with this new challenge that's ahead of him? In church, let me share this with you this morning. We have a challenge that is still ahead of us as to what do we do from this day forward in, in furthering the kingdom of Jesus Christ. And there's a new generation that's coming up. And what are we going to do with this new generation that is coming up to lead them and to help point the way and to help guide them in the direction that we need to go according to the word of God? So Joshua knew all the history. And I'm sure probably that his mind was flooded with questions. I don't know about you. I would be. And here's the other thing about it. Okay, Joshua was human. Don't lose sight of this. He was, he was human. One thought right after the other. And Joshua was probably doing then what you and I even do today because we're no different than Joshua was because we're all human. So here's what we do when we look at a major task that's in front of us. We start going through this big, long, drawn-out scenario of what if. Well, what if? Well, what if? Well, what if? What if? What if? And my dear friend, as the old saying goes, we can what if this thing to death. 
When at the time, what needs to happen is we just need to go forward. We need to move forward, understanding that God is in control of this thing, not you and I, and to walk by faith, not by sight, and just trust God for what we need that lies ahead of us. So that's where Joshua is. He was human just like you and I are. Did Joshua struggle with what he was called to do? He may have, but also let me kind of paint this for you coming into Joshua chapter number one. He knew already that this day was coming. So it's not something new. This is not something that just all of a sudden came out of the blue. When you look at Joshua chapter 1 and verse number 1 and notice what it says. Now it came about after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' servant, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise, cross this Jordan, you and all this people, to the land which I'm giving to them, to the sons of Israel. It, listen. This was not something new. Joshua knew it was coming. Joshua knew this day was there for him. Folks, listen to me. If you've been around for any time at all, and you've read your Bible any at all, you ought to know that the day that we live in today was coming. Now the question is, is what are we going to do with it? What are we going to do with this? One of the easy things for us to do with it would be just to kind of sit back and say, what's the use? Why, why, why even proceed on? And I'm thankful today that God is still the one that's in control and has the power to do above and beyond anything that you and I possibly could ever think or imagine. It's following him. It's walking by faith, not by sight. Because I will tell you, if all we did was lived today by sight, I, I don't know about you, but I, I need about a 1,000 acres somewhere on the backside of Montana with a no trespassing pass on the front, and I'd just get back there and I'd call it quits. That's not what God's called us to do. In face of and in light of difficult circumstances and situations that we find ourselves today, if there has ever been a day for us to take the shoulder and lean into and move forward with the gospel, it's today. There's been no, listen, there is no greater day to be a child of God than I believe is today. Because what we're watching happen and occurring in front of us is the fulfillment of the very word of God. We're watching it happen in front of us. And I don't know about you, but it's a privilege to be a part of what God is doing. I trust that you find it well. Go back to Deuteronomy chapter 31. And, and I want you to notice Deuteronomy chapter number 31. I said Joshua knew this day was coming. And he did. He had been prepared for this day. Now, whether or not he fully understood all that was going to be involved, he was still prepared for this day. Deuteronomy chapter 31, beginning in verse number 1, notice what it says. So Moses went and spoke these words to all of Israel, and he said to them, he said, I'm 120 years old today, still going strong at 120. How many of y'all could imagine living to be 120? Anybody in here? Still going strong at 120. Huh? 120 years of age. He said, I'm no longer to come and go, though. And the Lord has said to me, you shall not cross this Jordan. Verse 3, it is the Lord your God who will cross ahead of you. He will destroy these nations before you, and you shall dispossess them. 
And now notice the next part of verse 3. Joshua is the one who will cross ahead of you just as the Lord has spoken. The question is, is how long has Joshua been with Moses? Has Joshua been with Moses for any length of time? He has. Take your Bibles and go back to Numbers chapter 11 and look at verse 28. You'll find something interesting about Joshua, okay, and the relationship that he has with Moses. Go back to Numbers chapter 11, and I want you to notice with me verse 28. Numbers chapter 11 and verse 28. Then Joshua, the son of Nun, the attendant of Moses from his what? From his youth, said, Moses, my Lord, restrain them. So Joshua had been associated. Let's go back to Deuteronomy 31. Joshua had been associated with Moses for a number of years. So the preparation time has come. Verse 6. Of Deuteronomy chapter 31, I want you to notice what the text says right off the bat. Here's what you need to understand to be strong and courageous. And then he goes on to say, and do not be afraid or tremble at them. For the Lord your God is the one who goes with you. He will not fail you nor forsake you. Then Moses called to Joshua and said to him in the sight of all Israel. And notice what he tells him. Be strong and courageous. You, you know, after you hear a phrase repeated over and over and over and over and over again, sometimes it starts to click. Hmm. I remember when I was in school, whenever the teacher would say or the professor would say a phrase over and over and over and over, that always meant that you were going to see it over and over again, probably on a test or an exam. So it's important. And notice over and over and over again, that phrase is being given Beginning here in Deuteronomy chapter 31, and just wait till we get back to Joshua chapter number 1. But look at the last part of verse 7 of Deuteronomy 31. For you shall go with this people into the land which the Lord, uh, Lord has sworn to their fathers to give them, and you shall give it to them as an inheritance. The Lord is the one. And verse 8 is key. If you don't see anything else, you ought to highlight, circle, double underline verse number 8. The Lord is the one who goes ahead of you. He will be with you. My dear friend, listen to me. I don't understand today why we think it could be done any other way. Here, here's what I struggle with. Why do we think we can come up with the best laid programs and the best laid plans and never consult God until we get in the middle of it and then we ask God to bless what we've come up with on our own instead of following God to begin with and just letting God lead the way? I mean, I've been in a lot of conversations. There's been a lot of conversations about, well, what are we going to do now? Or what's the church going to do now? Or what's going to happen next? Or what happens if the government does this? And on and on and on. I said, I'll tell you what, just put all of that to the side. Let's just spend some time in prayer, follow the leading of the Holy Spirit of God, and let God chart that path for us. And just follow him. And I will say this to you. Joshua would have been an absolute failure if he had attempted this on his own. But God went before him. God prepared the way. God took care of what was necessary. But, wait a minute. 
But Joshua also had a part he had to make sure of as well with himself. And we can sit back and say, well, we're just going to trust the Lord and follow the Lord. Well, my dear friend, there's a part that we play as well. And don't ever lose sight of that. Don't forget that. Look down at verse 14 of Deuteronomy 31. Then the Lord said to Moses, Behold, the time for you to die is near. Call Joshua and present yourselves at the tent of meeting that I may commission him. So Moses and Joshua went and presented themselves at the tent of meeting. And the Lord appeared in the tent in a pillar of cloud, and a pillar of the cloud stood at the doorway of the tent. The Lord said to Moses, Behold, you are about to lie down with your fathers, and this people will arise and play the harlot with the strange God to the land into the midst of which they are going. They'll forsake me, break my covenant which I've made with them. My anger will be kindled against them in that day. I will forsake them and hide my face from them, and they will be consumed, and many evils and troubles will come upon them, so that they will say in that day, Is it not because our God is not among us that these evils have come upon us? Verse 23, then he commissioned Joshua the son of Nun and said, Be strong and courageous, Joshua. Oh, by the way, this group of people you're getting ready to lead into the promised land. They're going to forsake me. They're going to serve and worship idols and all of these things. And Joshua, just be strong and courageous. Could you imagine being given that task? Knowing that this group that you're getting ready to lead and what they're going to do. Is it even worth the effort? My dear friend, please listen to me today. It does not make a difference how many accept or reject what you have to claim when it comes to the gospel. That is not our responsibility. Our responsibility is to go and to proclaim the gospel and leave the rest of it up to God. That's what he called Joshua to do. Joshua is going to lead them into the land that he promised to them. God is always faithful. God will fulfill his promise. He's leading them into the very land that he promised through the Abrahamic covenant that he was going to give to them as an inheritance to them, and Joshua was going to lead them in there. It wasn't up to Joshua about their response when they got there. He was just to be faithful to what God called him to do to start with. And that's exactly what Joshua is going to to do. Let's go to Joshua chapter 1. And this is what I love about God. God encouraged Joshua over and over and over and over again. And if I could do anything today would be to this, to encourage your heart today. This thing ain't over, folks. The kingdom of God is still moving ahead. It's still moving forward. Regardless of whether people accept it or reject it, we have a message to deliver. It's called the gospel. That's why Paul said, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it's the power of God to salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. The gospel has not changed. God has not changed. The God that we serve today is still the same God that is directing Joshua under his hand and under his leadership to take the children of Israel into the land of promise. God is still on the throne. Why do we act like he's not? To walk by faith and not by sight. 
That is what we need to understand over and over and over again in this chapter. I want you to notice, look at verse 6 and verse 7. I want you to notice a phrase we saw it in Deuteronomy 31. We're getting ready to see it again. Look at verse number 6. What does he tell Joshua? Be strong in what? For you shall give this people possession of the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. Look at verse 7. Only be strong in what? Now we increase it a little bit further. Now, not only be strong, but to be very courageous. Then look over at verse number 9. We see the phrase again in verse number 9. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. And then look at verse 18. At the end of verse number 18, only be strong and what? Courageous. If I could encourage you today with this, this is what I would say to you. Be strong and courageous. Walk by faith and carry the gospel. That's what we've been called to do. And folks, let me share something with you. The church isn't dead. It may appear not to have any life, but the bride of Christ, the church itself, is not dead. It's still alive. Jesus Christ is still the head of the church. That hadn't changed either. But where are we today? You know, I'm sure that Joshua was probably wondering how in the world was he going to assume this leadership position? How was, he, how was it possible? I mean, how, how was he going to do this? Especially, becoming, especially coming behind who he was coming behind. I mean, who was, who was Joshua coming behind? Well, flip back one chapter to Deuteronomy chapter 34. Deuteronomy chapter 34, and look beginning in verse number 9. Now Joshua the son of Nun was filled with the spirit of wisdom, for Moses had laid his hands on him. And the sons of Israel listened to him and did as the Lord commanded Moses. Now notice verse number 10. Since that time, no prophet has risen in Israel like Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face. How would you like to follow somebody like that? Huh? And from your youth, you watched Moses. You saw all of the things that Moses went through. You know the children of Israel. You know all of the history here. And now I've been called to follow behind Moses. How in the world? Joshua had to understand this. It wasn't based on Joshua's abilities nor his own strength, but it was based on God himself and what he would do with Joshua. If he would follow him. There are three things I want to share with you from this passage this morning. That was all introduction just to get you to these three things. All right. Number one. The very first thing. Joshua needed to make sure that he knew and understood the law. That God had already given to Moses. And that is a command that, that God gives to Moses. So the question then becomes this this morning as we begin to look at these three aspects of Joshua chapter number one. How do we continue moving the kingdom of God forward? Well, let me share something with you. It's going forward whether you're a part of it or not. And I don't know about you, but I refuse to sit on the sidelines and watch it go forward and not participate in it. 
You know, I've used this saying. Matter of fact, I've said this many times. You know, I don't want to sit on the bench. Now, I don't know about you. I played basketball in school. And, uh, you know, you, you to, they rotated you out. I mean, so that the coach always had this, you know, he had this plan. And so, you know, you'd get rotated in and out. I played guard uh, in school. And I used, I, I used to always hate. Boy, you, I'd, I'd just be getting on a hot streak and the coach would. He'd, he'd swap us in and out, okay? I never could understand why he kept swapping us in and out. And I'd have to go sit on the bench. And I was like, man, if he'd have left me in there, I'd have, he, I'd have made that shot. Why'd he put me on the bench? You know, I could have made that play. Man, why are you messing up this run? Why are you messing up this play? Are we that way about the work of God? God, I don't want to sit on the bench. God, I, I don't want to. I don't want to have to watch the kingdom moving from the bench. I played softball. I love playing softball. As an adult, I mean, I just I love playing softball, and I, I'd play short field. And I'm gonna tell you something. You know what? The best part of playing softball that I like more than anything else wasn't playing in the field. You know what it was? Whew. Okay. Let me just give me one, just give me one right across the heart and just let me send that joker out of here. Let me ask you a question. Is that the way we are about the kingdom of God? Just let me bat. Just give me the opportunity to swing the bat. Just let me play ball. I just want to be a part of it. As one writer stated, he said, even some of the bravest men, although fully prepared beforehand, They either stand still or they hesitate when the things need to be done. So are we standing still today? Are we hesitating? If I could encourage you this morning, come on, folks, let's go. Let's go. Let's see what God has in store. Look at verse 8 of Joshua chapter number 1. Joshua needed to make sure that he knew and he understood the law that God had already given to Moses. Look at verse number 8. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. You know, that phrase, to meditate on it day and night, is an interesting phrase because when you go back and you look at it in its Hebrew context, here's what it actually means. It means to be immersed in it. And my dear friend, there's only one way that you can be immersed in the Word of God. It has to be a part of your life every day. So for us to be prepared, for us to accomplish what God has called us to do, how in the world can we know what that is if we don't spend time reading and studying the Word of God? How vital and important that is for us. Joshua's success is not measured by what man measures success by. It's measured by how God measured that success. And it's high time that we, the church today, quit trying to determine what success is in the church by man's standards and get back to the point that we understand that that success is measured by God himself. So where is our success today? How do we measure that success? 
Joshua was to meditate on it day and night. Why? Well, when you read the next part of verse number 8, notice what it says. So that you may be careful to do according to all that's written in it. There's only one way that you can do all that's written in it is you got to know what's in it to begin with. And then to walk accordingly. Number two. Joshua needed to make sure that he put it into practice in his own life. You know, let me say this to you. It's one thing. You know, I, I know a lot of folks who, who every year they, their plan is to read through the Scripture from Genesis to Revelation, and they want to do it every single year. And that's, that's good. That's, that's good. And there are a lot of people who read, and, you know, they, they read their Bible, and they, they read it constantly and all the time. But my dear friend, let me caution you with something. If all you're doing is reading it through so you can say, I've read my Bible through in a year. And you don't take what you're reading and what you're studying and meditating on it and making it a part of your life and living it out, you haven't accomplished very much. We have to immerse ourselves in it. What does it say? God in my own life, and this is something that we need to be careful of, and I would encourage you to do this at some point in time, in some period in your own life, when you look at Psalm 139, when the psalmist said, Search me, O God, and know my heart. How many of us start that way? And ask for God to reveal to us those things inside of our heart and lives that may need to change. That can get tough sometimes because there's some things in our lives that we find pretty attractive. God may not. And so that's comes to, that comes the tough part where we allow the Holy Spirit to start doing surgery internally with inside of us so that the outside becomes what God's desire is. Verse 7. Joshua chapter 1. Notice what God told Joshua. He said, only be strong and very courageous. Be careful to do according to all of the law. To walk according to all of the law. Let me just... Let me say this from my heart to you this morning. And I say this out of love. This ought to be at the very center of all that we do. Everything we do in our lives and even as a church ought to surround and evolve around this right here. The word of God. Not my opinion. But what is thus saith the Lord. That's what's important here. And I think today, one of the reasons that we find where we are today in the situation that we find ourselves in as churches today is because we have moved away from here more to what we think we know just a little bit better than God does. We've become more focused and fixated on marketing the church and the things of God than allowing God to go before us. 
and for God to do it in his power and in his strength and not ours. So for Joshua, Joshua told him, you need to meditate. You need to immerse yourself in the word so that you can live it out each day in your life. That's the only way it will happen. That's the only way it will occur. Yeah, but Brother Robert, I just don't like studying my Bible. Let me share something with you. Here's how simple it is. Go to something like the Gospel of John and sit down with the Gospel of John. And I'm going to give you just a real quick, easy lesson, okay? If you really want to spend time studying the Word of God, then here's, let me, let me encourage you to do something like this. Go to the Gospel of John. Open up the first chapter. And in the very first chapter, take the first five verses. Just read them over and over and over again. But before you do, here's what I would encourage you to do. To pray first. Ask the Holy Spirit of God to teach me the truths from your word. And then read it and reread it and read it again and meditate on it and reread it again. And let the Holy Spirit of God teach you his word. Now, I'm not saying that other helps and so on are not helpful. They are. But let this always, let the main thing be the main thing. Who better teacher could you have than the Holy Spirit of God? Huh? Didn't Jesus himself say, when I go, the Father will send a comforter. And the comforter will do something for you. He will guide you and lead you into all what? Truth. That's how important it is. So first of all, Joshua was told to meditate on it, to immerse himself in the word. Number two, that by doing so, he would walk through it and he would live it out in his life every day. Because I'm going to tell you something, that's what the children of Israel were going to need to see. And then number three, and finally, the most important, probably the most important, he had to boldly and confidently communicated to the children of Israel. Well, let me share something with you. There's only one way that you can boldly and confidently share it with the children of Israel. You got to know what it says. You have to know what it says. Look at verse number eight, the first part of verse eight of Joshua chapter number one. Notice what it says. This book of the law shall not depart from your what? From your mouth. You know, I'd encourage you. Matter of fact, I had a couple of people have already told me they have been working on memorizing uh, passages of Scripture. One of my goals is to memorize all of 1 John, the whole entire letter of 1 John. And it's a challenge, okay? Especially being 49 years of age. Y'all were laughing. You didn't say amen. <laughs> you know, it gets a little bit more it gets a little bit more difficult, okay? Have you ever wondered why the psalmist wrote, Thy word have I hid in my heart? Well, there's only one way you can hide it in your heart. You've got to spend time in it. Holy Spirit, at times in our lives where we so desperately need it, will bring to our remembrance. And there, listen, 
I can, I can attest to it today. There are times I have found myself in situations talking with someone and I needed a passage of Scripture and the Holy Spirit will bring it to your forefront of your mind. And when you get finished with it, you step away and you go, where'd that come from? But my dear friend, it won't happen until we spend time immersed. So how was Joshua's success measured? It was measured by him immersing himself in the word of God, spending time walking it, and then sharing it with the children of Israel. Don't let it depart from your mouth. Oh, let me share this with you too, by the way. (laughs) You know, I hear folks say this all the time, Brother Robert, I'm too old. Don't ever tell me that. Don't ever say that to me. Because I want to say something to you this morning. You're never too old to serve in the kingdom of our Lord and Master. Never. You say, well, how do you, why do you say that? Well, let me, let me share something with you. Do you understand and realize that Joshua is leading this new generation? And did you know that Joshua and Caleb are the oldest two of the bunch? They're the oldest ones in the camp. And don't ever think for a minute that just because you're a certain age that God set you up on this shelf somewhere never to be used anymore. The only reason he'll set you on a shelf is because you refuse to allow him to use you. That one was free of charge. From my heart to you this morning, if I could share this with you, the work of the kingdom has not come to an end. Though there are those who say that it has. It's not over. It has not come to an end. We simply find ourselves today with challenges that can make things a little more difficult. And that's when We have to seek the face of God himself. On Wednesday nights, we meet here at 6.30. You know why we meet here at 6.30 now on Wednesday nights that we started these prayer sessions? Let me tell you the sole purpose behind why we meet here at 6.30 on Wednesday nights is to seek the face of God. That's the only thing we do when we show up at 6.30. We meet here to to seek God. Cancel culture is doing everything they can to cancel anything surrounding God, Jesus Christ, or anything else that's associated or affiliated with it. Well, let me share something with you. They can try to cancel all they want to, but there is a name above every name. You won't cancel that name, and you will not cancel what God is doing today. It is impossible to stand still in your Christian life and service. It's impossible. Because when you stand still, what happens is you start going backward, not forward.
So if I could encourage you with something today, here's what I would say. Be strong. Be very courageous. (laughs) Because God is still going ahead of us. If we will let him. To carry the gospel to a lost and dying world. And folks, listen to me. There are people that are dying every day and going to hell. That has not changed. The battle is the Lord's, not ours. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and the darkness of evil. Our weapons are not, are not fleshly weapons. They're not carnal. But why do we battle that way today? So here's what I'm going to put a challenge out to you as a church. I don't know about you, but I've already shared with it. I remember learning to drive as a boy growing up in the countryside of Mississippi. My Uncle James made brooms. Uh, He was a circuit preacher. Uh, He had four churches. Every Sunday he was at a different church. And so what he did to help take care of his family as he made brooms. How many of y'all remember the old straw brooms that had the nice bright colored handles with the uh, greenish colored straw at the bottom that were sewn together? Those were good old-fashioned brooms, weren't they? Huh? They had last forever. Well, my uncle made those. Well, my cousin and I used to deliver those things to the country stores. Matter of fact, we had an old Chevrolet Bel Air. And we'd take those things and we'd stuff them all in the back seat and the, and the trunk lid was off, okay, and we'd stuff that thing through and I'd be holding on to half of them and Larry would be driving. I think Larry was 13, okay? And we were headed to the country stores, okay, delivering them brooms. And I remember the first time I was taught how to drive. Matter of fact, I learned how to drive in a 1963 red and white Chevrolet pickup truck it had a white steering wheel and had three speed on the column. Any of y'all remember that? It had a clutch in the thing. I almost had to stand on it with both feet to get, to get the clutch down so that I could shift the gears to drive that crazy thing. <clears throat> and so every once in a while, my uncle would get in there with me and I'd be driving it or my dad would get in there and I'd, I'd get it in first gear, boy, and I'd just... I just, I stayed in first gear. And I remember one time my dad looked over me. He said, son, at some point in time, you got to reach over and grab another gear. (laughs) Well, if I could share something with you today, it's time for the church to reach over and grab another gear. We have a significant work ahead of us. But it takes all of us. And I don't care what your age is. Because every individual has a place in the kingdom of God. Amen. Let's bow our heads together as we pray. Father, we thank you for the life of Joshua. Father, we